Happy Thursday. I know I don't usually go live on Thursday, but today we're making an exception. So this is episode number 135 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So, you know, we talk about, well, I don't want to say you know, because if you're new to the show, then you, know, then you don't know. So this show is all about overcoming obstacles and defying the odds. So people who watch this show, they're usually people who are at some type of a crossroads in their life or they just hit a, hit a rut. You know, the pandemic is weighed down on everyone. So whatever it is that's holding you back, I like to bring guests on from all over the world, from all backgrounds, all walks of life, all genders, races, religions. And we talk about their stories from what they were up until who they became now. And the, again, the purpose of that is to relate to you and your struggles and hopefully inspire you to take action on the things that you want most out of life. And if you don't know why you should listen to me, here's a couple of reasons. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of, front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, so those of you that watch Tuesday's show, you know I implemented a new short two-minute segment called Today's Teaching Moment. And so today's teacher moment, we're going to talk about your butt, okay? And not what you think, not B-U-T-T, B-U-T. Because how you talk to yourself is very, very important. And the order in which you word things affects your subconscious mind differently. Not trying to go all psychologists on you here, because as you all know, I'm a college dropout. But I know this stuff and I know that it works. So let's take fitness, for example. I hear people in my gym constantly saying, I want to lose 10 pounds, but it's going to be hard. See, so in your subconscious mind, it focuses on whatever came after that but. So uh, it's going to be hard is what resonates. If you flip it and you say, I'm going, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to lose 10 pounds. So now the I'm going to lose 10 pounds is what resonates in your subconscious. And then that can help keep you motivated to reach the goals that you want to reach. And that's true in every in every facet of life. I want to start a business, but I don't have a lot, lot of money. You flip it, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm going to start a business. Is it just from that one switch of what comes after the but is going to keep you inspired to keep moving towards your goals. All right. So speaking of inspiration, so I know, know we got you got started a little bit late here. So we'll dive in with my guest and her story right now. So we're going to welcome Eileen Torres to the show. And we're going to dive into her, her backstory from her, her humble beginnings up to what she's doing now. And Eileen, welcome. Hello. Wow. What a great opportunity to talk about my life. Gee, I wonder how many people are interested to know what happened since I was a kid to now and, you know, what's going to happen later. <laughs> well, this is my 135th episode, so people must like it. <laughs> well, the good thing is I have a lot of friends. I have some fans. I have lots of colleagues. Um, you know, I, I'm really involved in lots of things, so I know lots of people. Um, I lived 28 years in Washington, D.C., so I developed a very strong network there, which also kind of branched out into the entire uh, Latino community in the United States because yeah. everybody came to D.C. during Hispanic Heritage Month, which we're just about on, and that starts mm -hmm. on the 15th of September. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I have friends all over the country, colleagues, uh, associates, and, you know, just uh, people that I party with, stay in touch with, etc. You know what's amazing, though, about doing this? It's, the, it's that person that you don't know and that person mm-hmm. that doesn't know you. And then they hear this and their life changes and we never know about it. <laughs> it's, it's like that's that's the amazing part you know because like I, I get people i had someone who messaged me and said from my fitness posts that they followed me for like the last three or four years and that they lost 25 pounds they got off their blood pressure meds just from reading my post like i don't know you from a hole in the wall wow but but like that 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 just shows that not everybody likes and comments and shares like there are some people who just watch in silence and take everything in it's like that's that's the real magnitude of this. Yeah, I, I understand that. You know, I was a um, salsa night promoter in uh, lots of clubs in Washington D.C. for about fifteen years, and right. lots of people told me what a tremendous effect I had on them uh, from keeping them sane because mm-hmm. you get to let everything out, you know, one night or a couple nights a week. Yes. To one who told me because of you, I found my uh, adopted bro- now my my brother who was given up at birth. I was like, wow, I don't know how that happened, but I'm so glad it did. To people that just told me that their life changed because they had a new circle of friends. I saw this guy that you know was very successful in his professional life. He had you know a top security clearance, etc but were not very successful in the romantic life. Once he learned how to dance, this mm-hmm. guy started dressing differently. He started dating lots of women. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I helped him have That's a happier amazing. life. So yeah, I, I understand that. But I'm sure there are tons of people who had really great effects from being in that type of environment that's happy and energetic and welcoming that, you know, never said anything that we're kind of in the corner and just taking it in and absorbing yes. it and loving it and going home. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Cause like, I see that with fitness as well, you know, because in my classes, I always say, I don't just teach class. I try my best to put on a production, you know, mm-hmm. having, having the radio loud, getting, getting people dancing, singing, <laughs> you know, in addition to doing the fitness aspect. So like I tell people, you know, I may not be the best trainer in town that said, but, no one is going to care for you the way that I do. Mm. You know, like no one is going to. It's like, that's the differentiator. It's like, yeah, you can go anywhere else and learn how to do push-ups and burpees and squats and everything else. You know, most most fitness coaches teach the same stuff. Then you get, you know, you have like your yoga niche and your Pilates niche and your boxing niche. But most cross-training gyms, you're going to learn pretty much the same stuff. So the difference is style. It's like, what else can you put, <laughs> right? It was like, what else can you yeah. put into the training? And so like, I put more personal development, more mindset training, more setting goals that are bigger than yourself. So that way it's not just about losing weight and building muscles. Like I'm helping you become a better person, a better thinker, you know? I understand that because there are thousands of salsa dance instructors, you know, and, and, and hundreds of promoters. And I always wanted to be one step ahead of everyone. And so when I was teaching class, I didn't just teach class, but I taught them about the music. And if it was a cute song, you know, I would say, Hey, you know what this song is about? This guy is talking about getting on a bus after work and it's so crowded and everybody's looking for a seat. And this lady says to him, well, I guess there are no gentlemen on this bus. And he said, there's plenty of gentlemen on this bus. There's just no seats, you know? So (laughs) those kind of little things. Um, And then I didn't just promote a night. I created events. So I established things called a tribute to women in salsa. And Mm -hmm. I would honor women who had done things in the salsa community that I thought were noteworthy. And then we'd have a whole production of women only performing. And I did the same thing for men. I did the same thing for salsa choreographers, et cetera. And then when that wasn't as new, still as successful, but not as new, 
then I mounted a live production using a band and dancers, and we did a review, a music and dance review about the Palladium, which was the jumping off point for the mambo, which is we now call salsa. That's the jumping off point back in the 40s. So I always tried to stay a little bit ahead. And then I started, and I've only done two, so I don't want anyone to think I'm a big Hollywood producer. I am not, but I have Hollywood credits and not yes. many people can say that. I love it. All right. So wait, are you in DC currently? No. Uh, almost six years ago, I moved back to Lorain, Ohio, which is okay. on Lake Erie, about 25 miles west of Cleveland. I came back here uh, because my mom, who is nearly 91, needed a little bit more care. So I'm back here. This is where I was born and raised, but it's also, it's kind of like coming back to uh, a new community because I was out of Lorraine for so long. So I'm either reestablishing old acquaintances and, you know, keeping new friendships, friends, keeping friendships that have lasted the entire time, but I'm meeting new people too. So no, I'm back in Lorraine and I'm making the best of what this area has to offer, which is plenty of things. Love it. So we pretty much covered the the who is Elaine part. <laughs> Eileen, sorry. Who is Eileen? But if, if, what one word would you use to describe yourself? Confident. Confident. I like it. My, mine is resilient. It's like no matter what it is, I'm like a weed. You, you can't get rid of me. No, <laughs> matter, no matter how many times you pluck it, I come right back. <laughs> We're glad. We're glad about that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So how, how would you, you describe your childhood? Well, very different than, you know, what I am today. Uh, I was the oldest of seven children. Oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the youngest of seven. Oh, <laughs> very different thing. And then being yep. female and being male, totally yes. different because as the oldest uh, female of, um, you know, there were seven of us. By the time I was 12, I said, I am not doing this. Motherhood is not for me. <laughs> I've had enough of it. Uh, as much as I love children, and I do, but I just did not want my life to be um, not my own. Yeah. And, you know, mothers, they give up so much of their own life for their children. And uh, fathers do. Well, not <laughs> as much, though. Not as much. Um, so I grew up the oldest of seven children. And, you know, it was it was a pretty good childhood. Um, my father was an alcoholic. And when I, uh, I guess, gosh, this started probably in seventh grade, um, his rage was, uh, and not physical rage, but, yeah. you know, verbal rage was directed toward me. And I was like, geez, oh, Pete, you know, I'm a good little girl. You know, I follow the rules. I don't make any trouble, however you know, alcoholism does different things. My mother, uh, God, the most wonderful woman, uh, just, um, um, you know, always there loving, you know, doing all the right things. But in that time period, what the man said went, it, you know, yeah. what I say goes. Yeah. And, and that's how it was. Um, I, I also was um, very self-conscious as a little girl. You know, I went to Catholic school and I was smart. But just hearing the sound of my own voice just threw me into a tizzy. Mm. You know how you would have to read a paragraph and then it would be the next person. Oh, my God. My, my face would be the color of my red dress right now, just <laughs> in anticipation that my voice was going to be going out and like, oh, my God. Um, and then, you know, we moved and I went to um, a public school and got into, they had different sections. So I got into section one. I came from a Catholic school with good grades, smart girl, and I was right up there with the smart kids. Okay. And there, there weren't many people of color in those classes. There were, you know, maybe, uh, uh, I think maybe two or three black kids, and I was the only Latina in, in my class, okay. which, which takes me to, you know, what I want to stress is that 
I've always been intelligent. I've always been a smart girl. But no one in those days ever thought, hey, we ought to direct her in the path toward college. You know, that wasn't for people of color. You know, we were seen to have other pathways, which were not going to be leading to more opportunity, more fulfillment, more earnings. And so let me jump. Let me jump in real quick. Just because I had a I had a, a mother and daughter on the show yesterday. I know who they are. Oh, you do? You saw yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they said the same thing that like college was pretty much the pretty much discouraged. So was that a widespread thing? Well, yes. You know. Now you have to imagine. Um, I graduated from high school in 1970. So in the okay. 60s, let's just talk about you know the civil rights movement came mm. into being in the mid 60s. Yeah. So it was new. And um, so, no, it was not, we were not channeled into the paths that would lead to success. And so I was channeled into home ec, uh, cooking and sewing, and I had a blast. Don't get me wrong. I had so much fun, especially in the cooking class. And I cook well, um, don't sew as great. However, the irony is that we had to take a test and it was a Betty Crocker test and I scored highest. They mm. put my picture in the newspaper. I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to know I take home Mac, you know, <laughs> my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was so proud. Her granddaughter was in the newspaper and she sent the article to her sister in Indiana who sent it to her son in Colorado, who just, I have to back up a little bit because his story is even more remarkable because imagine back in the 40s, brown-skinned Latinos were not going to college, especially, you know, coming poor out of the depression, you know, your family came out of the depression. However, he uh, he managed to get a college education because of a good friend and the good friend's mother who wanted uh, her son to go to college. So encouraged Manny to do it and helped him. Um, So anyway, he had this great sense that education was the road out of poverty. And so he wrote to me and said, would you like to come to the University of Colorado in Boulder? And I'm like, yes, I would. I could get away from my father. Sign me up. And so I was doing everything. And when I told my father, he said, no, you cannot go to college. I forbid you. You're a girl. Girls don't need an education. You're only going to get married and have kids. So it's a waste. Well, I didn't listen. (laughs) And I I just kept filling out the forms and and communicating and taking the SATs and, you know, planning. And I went. And that was such a huge turning point in my life. Because, first of all, it was at a time when they were recruiting Chicano students. And I thank the Chicano movement, which is, you know, part of the civil rights movement, but for Latinos that started in the Southwest. And because of that, they were recruiting Latinos and they had a few slots for out-of-state students. That's how I got a college education. And one thing that they impressed upon us is that once you get the education, it is your duty and your responsibility to take your expertise back to your community. And so to this day, I work very diligently to uplift the Latino community wherever I am. I love it. Absolutely love it. So, so now I, I realized back in those times, it was normal. You know, so now that, that, that doesn't make it right, but it, but it was normal. Yes. But what was it like hearing those words from your father? I was like, oh, my God, this man is so old fashioned. You know, this is 1970, you know, and I'm like, well, I had a boyfriend, but I didn't really imagine I was going to be marrying him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I already knew I was going to have kids. So he was already halfway off the mark, um, 
saying, you know, women only get married and have kids, so they don't need an education. So, but I, I just thought that, you know what, let's give it a try. What can it hurt? If I don't like it, if I fail, I could always come back to Lorain, Ohio. But you know what? I loved it. And for the first semester, I did not party at all. I was just on the books, on the books, on the books, on the books. And then later on, I was like, ah, you know, I can I can have some fun. And I had a blast in college. And, you know, one thing that is is pretty remarkable is that I became, I went to the cultural events board because I had helped create the first ballet folklorico at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and we needed costumes. And somebody said, well, go to the cultural events board and ask for money. So I did that. And then somebody said, why don't you sit on the board? So I said, me? Okay. And I did. Mm -hmm. And then before you knew it, I was the president of the cultural events board with an $80,000 budget, which was a lot of money in 1972. And um, one thing that I love to tell all Nigerians is that I brought Chinua Achebe, one of their most famed, revered authors to the campus. And they just think, boy, that lady was ahead of her time. Well, you know, this group of kids came to me and said, you know, we would like to bring this author. Da, da, da. And I'm like, well, you know what? We, we need to have some diversity in our funding. And so we did that. And so what I learned was how valuable coalition building is and, and working with other groups and how you multiply the power when you work from common denominators. And yes. so college was a fabulous fabulous experience and so grateful for that betty crocker test <laughs> so so let's talk about about those common denominators because that's something that i talk about a lot in, in my my speeches but that process has been politicized so much like did you get any pushback from working on commonalities versus only seeing differences no, not really. Not really. Um, you know, what I saw was there were many, many groups that felt like they were either weren't being represented or they were not given the, the respect that they felt they deserved. So, you know, we worked with the gay students. We worked with the black students. We worked with the Native American students, with the farm worker contingent. I mean, we just worked with everyone that wanted to see something better on the campus and i have to say our campus was um was a pretty good place to be very friendly and um open-minded I, I guess when you go to college you find a lot more open-minded people but the thing that blew my mind when i first got there and i became really good friends with one of my roommates and she was telling me that where she grew up right outside of vale, vale colorado their restaurant said no dogs and no Mexicans. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> wow. This is 1970. Uh, how could that be? And like most people, I think we are all uh, guilty of this. We think our experience when we're that young is the experience of everyone. So growing up in Lorain, Ohio, which is a, an international city with 56 nationalities represented here, wow. you know, going into a grocery store and hearing somebody speak Russian or Slovenian or Polish, uh, you know, Spanish, of course, um, French, I mean, just almost every imaginable language, hearing all these languages and people with heavy accents and lots of different foods in your neighborhood. Well, I just thought, hey, this is the, the way the world is. Well, no. And so here you were judged on your own qualities. Yeah. Uh, and you the were, yeah. And you were disparaged if you were, you know, a jerk. Yeah. And you weren't collectively judged because of your entire community. So going to Colorado and hearing all of that, I was like, God almighty. And so 
I really started thinking, boy, I better start standing up for, for my Chicano people and all Latino people. And then it became for all people that are oppressed or repressed. And now it's, uh, it's even branched out to women because as you know, especially now with what's going on in Afghanistan and the Taliban takeover again, yeah. these women have nothing, yeah. nothing. Now, imagine putting wearing a blanket outside i see you in your in your wife beater you know okay <laughs> imagine wearing a a um a blanket in 110 degree heat why so men don't get turned on by you hey you know what that's on you guys yeah. that's not our problem mm -hmm. so now uh one of my big focuses is women's equality nice i love it all right, so when did you when did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Well, that that just kind of ha happened by accident. Um, so what happened was uh, one of well, first of all, I love salsa music and dancing. But one of my friends in Washington D.C. was having a salsa festival, and I said to him, "Well, who's going to do um, a workshop on salsa history?" He said, "What?" I said, well, how can you have a salsa festival if you don't talk about the history of the music? He said, gee, I hadn't thought about that. Do you think you can do that? Yeah, I can do that. So I put together using um, old uh, VCR tapes, you know, because yeah. I, I collected I collected music, uh, music videos of salsa. Okay. So I put together, you know, what I thought was a good presentation. And it turned out it was. But I punctuated what I was talking about with a, a, a music clip. And so believe it or not, I have done that over 500 times, including at the Kennedy Center, at National Geographic Society, at every Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., countless universities and colleges and lots of civic groups, all the federal agencies, because during Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, they needed some programming. And so there I was. And all of a sudden, I had a new career talking about salsa history, teaching people how to dance, promoting Latin nights, and um, whatever other events that I could put together that would bring in a profit. I like that. Yeah. It's like, I feel like most entrepreneurs kind of trip into it, <laughs> you know, cause like pe people that watch the, watch the show on the regular, like they've heard my story over and over. You know, I, I started in my spare bedroom <laughs> and you know, did that for like a year and a half and I was able to open up my facility. And even this with the podcast, I don't really have a game plan for it. I just took out my phone and just, like, I'm good at speaking. You know, when I speak, people listen. So let's just, you know, take it bigger and see what happens. And now we're in 20, we're heard in 23 different countries. You know what I mean? So it just tends Fabulous. to grow. Yeah, just it just tends to grow. And I had no game plan. I didn't have a business plan. It was just, just keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And then, you know, some people talk, talk trash, but like, I don't try to reach them. <laughs> I try to reach, <laughs> I try to reach the ones that resonate, like people that fight online, it boggles my mind. Cause I'm like, you, you don't have to pay them any mind. I mean, if they don't like what I have to say, don't tune in. <laughs> you know, Like I'm not going to waste my time defending my positions to, to you when I have 10 other people that are saying, yes, I agree. Like I'm going to focus on the other 10, but like, I just feel people tend to tend to trip into it. All right. So, so what's the basis of, what you're doing like who do you who do you work with and why well um let me say that uh well who who i have worked with is a lot of organizations agencies um that needed to you know times are different now so now everyone has to show that they are inclusive and they are for diversity yes. and so those people, I was a godsend to them because this would be something that they could actually use and include in their annual reports. You know, we reached out to, you know, the Latino community. We brought in a Latino speaker, you know, whatever it was. So I came in at a great time when people were really hungry for this. And fortunately, they still are. 
you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a few events here in Ohio. Um, one I'm doing at a correctional facility. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be doing one there. I'm doing one at Case Western Reserve University, and we're going to talk about how Latin jazz uh, solidifies and unifies uh, people's identities. Um, and then I am doing one at uh, Key Bank. And uh, so for me, it is being able to spread the good news about the Latino culture at a time where Latinos very often are viewed in negative lights. They, they see us as, uh, you know, troublemakers, gang members, uh, undocumented folks, you know, mm. taking up the resources of this great country, when in reality, oh, everyone contributes to this great country. So I like to put the different spin on it. Hey, you know what? You love our music you love our dancing, love you love our food, you yeah. know? <laughs> hey, and now that you know us, love us too, you know, uh, because people are so alike. We have so many commonalities, so many bonds. There, there's so few differences in people that we should not be trying to divide, divide each other. And so, this is one of the, the great byproducts of what I'm, I'm able to do. And it brings me a lot of satisfaction knowing that um, I open people's minds. I make people happy. They had a good time and they learned something. See, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that about the differences because I lead women's empowerment groups. And sometimes people like you lead women's empowerment groups. I'm like, yeah, like I'm qualified to give mo motivation to anyone. <laughs> like it doesn't matter who and then to the people on the receiving end i say if you're in a rough spot and i'm equipped to get you out of that rough spot it shouldn't matter if i'm a female or not you know well I mean? there <laughs> there are so many enlightened men in this world especially yes. in this country you know men are modern um you know not all but but a lot of men are enlightened a lot of men appreciate women a lot of men respect and admire women a lot of men have women supervisors uh, uh, you know men see what some women are doing and how productive how effective how influential they are and so i take a lot of hope in seeing that we are coming around to understanding that we are more equal than unequal. And at some point, uh, we need to just get everything like that, not like this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like my thing too is understanding that there are some differences, but there's but they're different for a reason. You know what I mean? Like for, for me, I'm I'm a single parent. That was why when I when earlier when you were talking about moms have it harder, I'm like, uh, I bust my ass. <laughs> it's like okay. uh, I'm not like your average dad. <laughs> so yes. I'm at all the after school stuff and doing the homework yes. and you know going to the choirs and the chorus and the sports and the long weekends on the softball field. I'm doing all of that too. So you know don't lump me in with all the other dads. <laughs> but but like but my thing is so, so the point of as being a single dad, you can walk into this house and know that there's not a female presence. You know, like there's, there's, there's just a difference. And on the flip side, like I have five kids. So when I was with my ex, there, there's just a difference in the presence to when I wasn't here to when I was here. So it's like when our powers are combined, that's when you become an unstoppable force. You know, I just think like respecting the differences, embracing the similarities, and then that's when you can thrive. And so... When I'm working with people on topics like that, I said, we, we got to stop it with the differences and just say, what are your strengths? Okay, these are my strengths. How can our strengths work together? Rather than you're not good at this and you're not good at that. Like it, anybody can pick apart somebody's flaws, but oh, yeah. it's like, but it's like, I'm not the most organized soul. Mm -hmm. so, so if I decide to date again, I'm going to make sure that the woman I date is very organized yeah. <laughs> because two disorganized people are going to be slobs, <laughs> you know, right? So, so it's very about true. embracing, embracing what you're not good at and then find someone who's good at 
what you're not, and then you combine your two strengths and vice versa. You know, you combine the strengths. But I think when talking about equality and diversity, I'm all for all of that. But like you said, we're a lot more alike than, than we are. And like, we all have two eyes. We all have one nose. We all have a mouth. We all have ears. We all have a heartbeat. We all need oxygen to breathe. Like there's slight differences, but yet those differences are exploited. And most time it's for financial gain which is just awful. Well, and it's also, um, you know, I believe that somehow humans are inherently, um, let's see, what's, there's a correct word for it. And let me see if it comes to mind. Um, you know, we're, we're not as confident as we should be. And so in order to lift ourselves up, we mm. try to put other people down so that we elevate our own status in our own mind. Uh, you know, which isn't right. But, you know, one thing that leads me to, um, you know, I, I, I want to bring up something that you sparked in my head, because remember when everyone was a little bit nervous because the Mayan calendar was coming to an end? Yeah, remember the, yeah. the movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, what that really signified, and most people don't know, is... Uh, it was just the end of a particular time period. And during that time period, male dominant energy prevailed. And when we hit the next day, December 22nd, 2012, female dominant energy, you know, we had hit this part of the pendulum and it started coming back. Yeah. And so what the Mayans tell us is that what we have to do is find the perfect equilibrium. Yes. So male dominant energy, female dominant energy meet in the middle. Nobody tries to dominate the other. Everyone works together, just like what you were saying. If your strength is, um, say, mathematics, that's your strength. Yeah. And your partner's strength is uh, geology, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can make that work together, that makes you more powerful because you are playing on those strengths. Yes. And so I, I feel very strongly um, about the possibilities that lie ahead because female dominant energy got a real strong boost when we had that uh, women's march on Washington, D.C. And there were millions of women all around the planet, even on Antarctica. And not just women, because believe me, I was I was in that march. I went from Ohio back to D.C. for the march. Yeah. And there were men everywhere. Why? Because they understand that we have to work together and we have the same goals. We have the, the same uh, mission. And most of us just want to lead happy lives where our kids are all looked after, everyone has an opportunity, we can have some fun, we're fulfilled. Hey, what's wrong with that? So let's all work toward that. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Mayans are telling us, hey, if we do it right, we can reach that that equilibrium. Yeah, see, and along those same lines, it goes back to understanding. You know, like I was having a conversation with my daughter about like the, the slave trade and, and all that stuff. And she, she was getting all wound up. And I told her, I was like, listen, I said, it was absolutely awful what those people went through. I said, but you can't look at it with 2021's lens, you know, because mm -hmm. like things are different now. You have to think of it back then, the world was so different. It, it was about survival. You know what I mean? Like it was about survival. So you have to kind of look at the times and what was happening in the times to make a rational decision. And I bring that up because just like what, what you were saying with men and women, we both approach things differently. You know, like so, some men are very task driven. A lot of women are emotional or emotionally driven. And sometimes you could take something like say the lights got cut off. You're gonna, men are gonna approach it differently than the women. And then they resent the other's approach and then you clash rather than just saying, all right, how do we fix this? You know, but that's the man's mentality. How do we fix this? The women want to know how we got there, <laughs> you know? So, 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 so it's like, right. once, once you understand that she's not just being a nag, 
that's how she's wired. Like, like, like female female brains are wired to process yeah. risk assessment. Because again, go back to like I just said, the world was about survival. Like, why are men most usually bigger and carry more muscle? Because the men had to fight in battle. You know, like women typically carry more more body fat. Because if something happened to to the men, they had to be able to survive with the kids. You know, so like understanding that dynamic from our origins, even though it's 2021 now, the wiring is still the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, uh, that has not changed. Um, the only thing that's changed is is our attitudes and, and the, the more educated people become, generally, the more open-minded they are. Yep. and see things differently, have new perspectives. And that, I think, brings us forward in our appreciation for everyone and everything. You know, I'm glad you brought up the slave trade because that has a, a real prominent um, part of salsa history. Mm-hmm. And without the Africans being brought over to the new world with their drumming traditions, um, we would not have had salsa because, you know, unfortunately in the United States, we did not want those drumming traditions to continue because we Mm -hmm. were afraid those pesky Africans were going to be communicating from encampment to encampment and planning Mm -hmm. old and escape. However, in Cuba, they did not uh, they did not restrict them from keeping those traditions. And so that music or or that um, percussive element made its way into the the Cuban music. And now we have salsa because of salsa. I got a new career. (laughs) I love it. See, (laughs) got to find the good in everything. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, so so what are, what are your next steps? Well, uh, I'm inv- I'm involved in quite a few things. Uh, I'm the president of the Hispanic Fund of our county, and we give uh, grants to nonprofit organizations that benefit Latino the Latino community. Um, we've also just embarked on uh, building a a bigger scholarship fund because we give scholarships every year. We have that much money and that many applicants, so uh, we're, we're working on that. I'm also very proud to be part of the Roberto Ocasio Foundation, and we have a Latin jazz music camp for kids, music musicians yeah. in grades 8 through 12, and we take them for a week, and Bobby Sanabria, who is this master musician, is the musical director, he gives them music theory. He teaches them how to improvise. One thing a lot of kids taking music do not do or don't know how to go about. And we do this, and it's the only Latin jazz music camp in the country. So I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm also um, finishing. In fact, uh, by the end of this month, I will have finally, after 12 years, completed my book, which is on female empowerment, sex and politics. And we'll have to talk about that on another show. Okay. Um, and uh, I also just got it into my head since, you know, I, I've done a, a couple of films, not me, but I've had a role yes. in having them come to life uh, to do a documentary about our tremendous Latin salsa music history here in Lorain, Ohio. So I'm working on that. I'm working with the Historic Society here so that we can create that uh, together. And uh, and then I, I do a podcast every Tuesday night. You know, it's so great to do stuff that you're passionate about. Yes. I love salsa music. I love the history. I want to know about these musicians. And so every Tuesday night, we're interviewing, you know, somebody who has made a tremendous impact on the Latin music industry, whether they be a musician or they were an engineer or they were a uh, instrument maker or, or someone that promoted way back in the Palladium days. I mean, so many things. So that is something that I'm doing every Tuesday night and loving it because not only am I sharing with the audience what these stories are, yeah. 
but I'm also broadening my own knowledge base, which, you know, makes me more valuable and makes me more dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. I say too, with mine, like this is my third notebook. Like I have two and two and a half notebooks full of notes because every guest that comes on as, as everyone's talking, I'm writing stuff stuff down. Cause like you said, I'm expanding my horizons as, as well. Cause I don't claim to know everything. But, you know, I know enough to make the conversation interesting, <laughs> <laughs> you know, throwing some throw, throwing some humor in there. But, you yeah. know, it, it's about it's about keeping people rational, you know, rational, just like going back to what we were saying about the differences between men and women. It could be it could be any difference. It could be between white, black or any any other other race, male. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you just step back, take the emotions out of it and think rationally. Like, think rationally. So many things can get fixed. You know, it really can, just in everyday life. So many things can get fixed. But we let emotions take over. We, we want to be mad. We want people to know how mad we are. And, <laughs> and what, does that, what does that do? Like, I'm driving on the road the other day, and this guy's clearly speeding. And then someone pulls out in fr- front of him. And this so the guy had to slow down. He's mad. He's flailing his arms, throwing middle fingers. And like he like weaved through traffic to get next to, to next to this guy to bark at him. I'm like, this guy's gonna cause an accident. And right. over and over what? Grand scheme of things, right. because because he had to slow down for five seconds. You know, it's it's not even so much the act that someone pulled out. He was mad that he had to slow down for five seconds. And, and he was willing to risk injury and damaging his car and other people's cars just to let this guy know I'm mad at you. Well, you know what? We're we're bombarded with, you know, so much bad news. Um, mm. I have to tell you, I, I, I've been taking a break because I, I've been a political junkie. You know, living in D.C., you're mm. surrounded by it. So, yeah. you know, and, and coming from my college education, I always want to know what's going on. But I'll tell you, after, after this last election, uh, you know, I just got like the energy sucked out of me. And now almost everything you hear is negative. And I'm like, gosh, you know what? So I'm watching like, I'm I'm watching different things on TV now. So I I don't really have to think and concentrate on reality because sometimes reality is a bummer. You know, Mm -hmm. it just, it just brings you down. And so I want to see things or I want to experience things, you know, I want to hear happy music. Number one, I want to dance. I I want to hear happy music. Uh, You know, I want to laugh. Uh, I want to go outside, you know, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit more of that and people don't do enough of that. And that's why you find, you know, the bird being thrown all over the highways and road rage and things like that. You have to find a way to, to let things go. And that's one of the reasons I loved promoting Latin nights because I would see people laughing and smiling and singing and dancing and sweating, but happy sweat, you know, not like, oh my God, this hurts. No, it's like, yeah, let's do it again. See, and you I know why? Get, yeah. See, and you know why? Be, you. Because that's an escape from reality. Yes, it see, is. When you get to, to the root cause, so many people are either content or below content with their current circumstances below. to the point to where they'll, they'll let something so trivial, like, oh, I'm not talking to someone so why? Because they called me a name. I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was taught when I was like three, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You know what I mean? So it's like a name can only hurt you if you, you allow it. It's like, what's the real issue here? And then you start getting down to the root cause. And it's like maybe they're in an unfulfilled relationship or they hate their job or their supervisor or they have a strained relationship with a parent or, or a brother. Like it, it's usually never what we see on the surface. And especially, especially now that I'm getting into people's backstories, some people have a lot of baggage that, that, that's unresolved from their past, you know? Yes. And so it's like once you come to grip with that stuff and just know that, most people don't care as much as you think they do. <laughs> Just put it out there. And then someone else that's stuck in that same rut will, will be like, you know what? They had the courage to face their fears. I'm going to face mine. You know? Yeah. Mo- most of, you know, when I run across disagreeable 
people because you know they're everywhere uh fortunately i i don't run across a lot of them but when i do i always think oh well i'm i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna react to that negatively because i know that for some reason they're miserable in some aspect of their life yeah. and that's why it's coming out the way it is and so for me personally I'm happy 99% of the time. Yeah. I, I find, you know, I mean, I'm looking out at the beautiful trees in the front yard and there's a beautiful creek in front of that. And I see that and I'm like, wow, how lucky are we to have a creek? Or how lucky am I that I can talk to you without uh, needing oxygen, you know, uh, breathed into my lungs? Or yes. how lucky am I that I can dance because I don't need crutches or a wheelchair? or how this is one thing that I am so grateful for. I am so grateful that I can read. Mm. You, know, you know, I saw a, a, an older gentleman at the library and he had someone there teaching him how to read and I thought good for him, but I, it's so sad how much he has missed from not being able to read as simple as a menu or, uh, you know, uh, say a report card from your grandchildren, whatever. So I look at the best there is knowing that there's crap everywhere, yeah. but I, I downplay that. And I don't focus on that. I focus on the better things that keeps me happy. I personally live in the joyous expectancy of the best. I'm expecting great things for me in, in, in the rest of my life. Like, you're going to be hearing from me. I love it. See, and and what what us us as Americans, or just people who who live here, what we don't understand is that we're all privileged. You can take the worst, the worst neighborhood in this country, and there's a village in Africa that would kill to live there, or in the Philippines that would kill to live there. You or know, Syria, like Syria, Afghanistan. Yes, yes. yes, there's so many countries where there's like actual oppression. And not this made-up political oppression, you know. This this thing where women aren't allowed to read, you know. And I believe yeah. it was Iran. I want to say so a, a few years ago, a woman got raped, and her options were marry the rapist because because fornication is illegal over there, right. or she would get arrested. You see what I'm saying? Like like there's like real oppression going on and yeah. people don't understand how good we have it here. Like you mentioned Cuba earlier, people try to swim here from Cuba <laughs> to get here. And like right. our, our Southern border is a, is a mess. And you know, the politicians are trying to blame each other. But again, look at the root problem. People are trying to escape from where they are <laughs> because they know if they can yeah. just make it here, they have a chance. Well, and, and, even with nothing, they have more than they left behind. And mm -hmm. interesting that, that you brought this up because I, I put a section in my book about this, that we as Americans focus too much on what we don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, we're so used to seeing Oprah or, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or, yeah. uh, you know, Mark Cuban, you know, all these people with money, power, influence. And we say, well, I'm not like that. Well, you know what? Uh, you can have the opportunity to, to be like that. However, focus on what you have. You know, if you have kids and you love your kids, focus on that warm feeling. Focus on the fact that you eat every day, what you want. Focus on the fact that there's no bombs going off in your neighborhood. Focus on the fact that your kids aren't sleeping in water. I listened to NPR the other day and heard about, you know, kids, um, you know, the earthquake and and the rains from the hurricane there's no place to sleep and the kids had to sleep in water i mean you know these are the realities of the greater majority of human beings life we are not sent to labor camps yeah. because we don't agree with what the government is saying we have to be happy that we eat what we want we have a roof over our head we have computers you know, we have cell phones, which are, you know, mini computers, the lights work, we have cars, uh, most of us have jobs, um, you know, good health. I mean, there's so many things to be thankful for. And when you focus on all the great things you have and regard them as blessings, 
you can't help but feel better every day. See, and that's all by design. Like, like everything you just said, that's all by design to keep the elites in power. Because the worst thing for the government is for the people to unite. It's, it's, it's the worst thing. Like, why do you think everything is so divisive? You know, like on the left, they're pro-abortion. On, on the left, I mean, on the right, they're anti-abortion. Like, it, like the, there's so many, there's so many hot button topics on either side. So there will never be unity. Never. Because people on the opposite side, they're never going to agree on abortion. They're never going to agree on the right to bear arms. You know, they're never going to agree, uh, agree about the strikes between white versus black. Like, that, it's by design because that keeps the government in power. Like, if we were to actually come together, they, they're afraid we can overthrow them. <laughs> well, you know, that's, and- their, that's their worst nightmare. Well, it is. And and I also write write about that in the book, too. And the hope is that there are so many more of us than them. Mm -hmm. And we have we have to remember that. And, and, you know, we have we have to remember that our power lies in our being unified. And so one of the things that I see that's happening is, you know, there collective bargaining is such a powerful tool for the average worker. Uh, You can have a grievance and when it is backed up by a union, you have a chance of having that resolved. Whereas if you're an individual, forget it. It's probably not gonna happen. But of course, there is so much anti-union sentiment and anti-union action being taken uh, that, you know, we have to wake up and think, hey, this is going to benefit us. I have more strength, more power, a bigger voice when it is in a collective group. So, well, I, I touch on a whole bunch of stuff. Yes, yeah, like, but before you can even get to the collective group, you have you have to want it for yourself. You know, it's like, it's like that's the that's the part that's missing. Like even in the the black slash brown community. They've, they've been told their entire lives that you're marginalized, you're behind the eight ball, it's not a level playing field. So then you get someone like me, whoever, I'll do a video saying, you can have whatever you want in life. Just ha- have a vision, have some, some drive, and be resilient until you get it. And then people try to drag me, saying I'm being anti-Black and you're just promoting white supremacy. How does telling black people that they can succeed, how does that promote white supremacy? Like, that's an actual comment I got on my post. Oh, my God. Like, by telling people that you can be whatever you want, it's like, but they can't break free from that mental slavery of constantly seeing on the news how oppressed you are. And same same thing with some women. Like, I told told my daughter, she's 19, I said, listen, you're going to have people telling you out there that you got roadblocks, but you don't have any. You focus in on what you want. And you get out there and you make it happen. If you hit a roadblock, go around it. If you if there's a man that tells you you can't ever, you don't have to listen. I said you don't have to take it to heart. I said focus on your goal and zigzag, jump, crawl, whatever you have to do until you get there. And that's what yeah. the world needs more of. We got to stop telling people the stuff they can't do and start telling them the things that they can do, and then provide the path. And that's what shows like like this shows like yours, the book you're writing. So we're doing our part to to contribute. And I just announced yesterday I'm starting a speaking tour going around in schools, preaching this message to high school kids and college kids, because they, they have to know there's not only one path to success. When oh. they think you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job, you work 40 years, you're, you're miserable for 35 of them, <laughs> then, then you retire and you wait to die. And then somewhere in there, you get married and you have kids like that's the life cycle that they think, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Have a plan, you know, make a plan for yourself. Dream big, because even if you don't hit the the pinnacle of that dream, you're probably going to be a lot farther than you ever imagined. And life throws us so many curves. I mean, I never thought that I would be speaking about salsa music. I used to go to the dances, you know, and dance and I would meet some of the artists and, you know, buy their (laughs) records and, and read the album cover jackets. And you know, that that was really the basis for my primary education of salsa. 
So you never know what happens. You never know who you meet. Be yeah. nice to everyone. Treat everyone with respect, but have a plan because a plan will start directing you somewhere. And that will get you a lot farther than just living day to day. Because when you live day to day, every day looks like the day before. Yes. Yeah, see, and but before before we break it down, I think I, I said I think it was on Tuesday's show <clears throat> where the guest had mentioned about looking for opportunities. And I said, no, no, no. Pe people see opportunities everywhere. You have to be ready to seize it. You have you have to take it. Because like there, there was a woman that reached out to me a while ago saying she was having problems, you know, resolving stuff from her past. And I was like, perfect. This is what this is what I do. Let's set, set up a time in chat and I can, you know, just told her a little bit of my process. And she's like, oh, I'm not I'm not sure if that's what I need. I'm like, if you haven't resolved it, how do you know what you need? It's like you you had a need. You brought it to me. I happen to do what what you're looking for, but you're you're rejecting it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. Yes. So it's yeah. like you put it out there and it brought you to me. <laughs> so so let's see this through and see where it goes. You know, so so that, that's a problem. A lot of people, you know, like you'll get that one, you'll get that person that's struggling financially. And then you'll get a friend that calls and say, hey, I got a business opportunity for you. Like, no, nah, nah, those things are like scams. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the opportunity came, but you didn't seize it. Rather than at least, listen, exactly, at least <laughs> listen, you know, and like that could have been exactly what you were you were looking for, but you're so caught up in your own men mental slavery that you won't even give it the time of day, and like that's one of the biggest problems plaguing people, especially in this country, is that they have a certain idea of what they think their life should be, but then when the universe presents another option. They're like, oh no, that's not for me. It's like, but why do you think that that got dropped in your lap? <laughs> it's like, like you have to yeah. step back and say, okay, why is this being offered to me? Right. That's what's missing. Right. You know, and what, when I talk to uh, younger people, I, I tell them, you know, what do you love so much that you would do it for free? I say that too. Yeah. And then find a way to get paid to do it because you're never. <laughs> You're never going to feel like you're working because it's mm -hmm. something that you enjoy doing. You know, I'm sure you put a lot of uh, pre-production work into your podcast. When I do the um, my podcast, you know, I, I call the person. I speak to them for at least an hour. Uh, I research their music. I, I look up the music, you know, who was uh, playing with them, et cetera, et cetera. So, Gee, that would that would pay a lot of money if you were getting an hourly rate uh, wage doing that. Uh, mm. But I do it because I want to know. I love it, and who knows? Actually, I I have a way that I think that this could be monetized, and let's hope. <laughs> I, I live in the joyous expectancy of the best, so. You know, find what you love to do so much that you would do it for free and find someone who'll pay you to do it. Yes, <laughs> I love that. But mine's the exact opposite. It's like I want to know as little about the person as possible. <laughs> okay. That way, because you don't know where the conversation's gonna go. It's like right. how many how many different topics did we cover in this last hour? <laughs> right? Certainly so, not the one I thought we were going to cover. <laughs> see, but but see how, how it flowed. Yeah. We, we played off of each other. We yeah. both shared we both shared stories. We both shared life lessons. And it, it, it was natural. Like yeah. it was natural for me. It was natural for you. Like it didn't seem forced. Like I watched the video before I came on here, and the guy's like, Hi, I thank you for joining the 21 day fitness challenge. Like you could tell he was clearly reading. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's not genuine. It's not authentic. You know, and when you're talking about something you're passionate about, you, you light up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like when, when, when I ask a question that people are prepared for, you can tell. It's cause like I did my first couple, couple of episodes doing it at that format. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this. Like it's not natural, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, and anyone can have their own style, but that's what I like. Like I like to go into it, just getting to know you as we're doing the episode. And it worked wonderfully. Yes. It, it, this was just like having a, a chat with uh, someone that you just met. And, uh, you know, you kind of clicked. And so you want to know about each other. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So give us give us a, fun, a final word. So are your is all your contact info on your website there? Yes, it is. Um, right. Wait, let me just say let me just say it out for for the people that are going to listen on the uh, audio. So it's Eileen Torres Productions. It's E I L E E N T O R R E S Productions dot com, and you can that's her web her website. You can see all about what she does. Find her her social stuff. And when's your book going to be done, or or is it done? No, it, it's almost done. I'm, I'm okay. doing the stylization right now. And my goal is to uh, have it done by the end of this month and then submit it for self-publication. Nice. And uh, then I'm going to be coming out with the book cover and then I'm going to make a big splash with it. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, mine's about half halfway done. I got to I got to get on that. It so. takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does. All right. So now give us a, give us a final word before we sign off. Live your life in joy. Find something every day to appreciate what is good in your life and really focus on that. Whether it's the love of your children, seeing your grandchildren take their first step, uh, seeing kittens, uh, having somebody bring you over a plate of cookies, whatever it is. The fact that you can pick up a newspaper and read because you know how to read. The fact that you can decide what you want to eat because you have that power. Focus on the good in your life and you're going to be a happier person every day. And go out and dance salsa and you will exponentially experience joy. Love that. That, that was perfect. All right. So we're going to end there. I'm going to put you backstage again, but just uh, don't sign off yet. Okay. All right, yeah, because I have some uh, some connections for you. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much for your time and sharing your stories and your experience and your passions with us. Much appreciated. My pleasure. All right, take care. All right, so just to summarize what, what she just finished up with there about figuring out what it is you want to do. And my thing is, is don't look for something new. What you want to do, it's already within your subconscious mind. So again, this is 135 of these shows I've done. And granted, I didn't have guests for the first eight, but still, it was over 120 people. And they end up doing something around what they wanted to do in their childhood. It may not look exactly the same way, but it's already there. So I have a big enough sample size that if you're unfulfilled in what you're currently doing, or maybe you're sort of fulfilled, but you, you would like another stream of income, then re reach out and let us help you figure out what that is. Because I can probably do it in about a half an hour. That's it. Just pick your brain for a half an hour and then whatever it is that you have that you can monetize and maybe even online so it can be automated. But let's talk that through and see and see if we can, well, not see and make that happen for you. Because you don't have, in 2021, there is no reason to be struggling. There's no reason to be unfulfilled with the, tech, the technological advances that we have now. So if you need that help, reach out. And again, to get in touch with Eileen, it's EileenTorresProductions.com. That's all I got for you for today, and have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events 